right, welcome back to the Basketball Champions League Coast to Coast podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I'm David Hein, and with me as my partner in crime, back with me is Igor Jerkovic. Igor, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Good to be back after this national windows break. Uh, and I mean, it was um, I wasn't on a break. I was working hard, but um, I'm finally back with the BCL and watching the games from afar. Yeah, we had some good we had some good action. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the games. Obviously, I uh, want to just uh, let you know a little bit what's out there on the site. Um, I did a piece on Augustus Marcellonis, the the uh, Ritos Vilnius uh, youngster, obviously famous father, uh, as a homegrown piece. Uh, Igor has his help side column coming out today, and uh, also yeah. on Monday is the power rankings. Maybe just uh, what do you have in uh, in store with the with the help side that uh, people can uh, t- can know what they're going to be reading. Yeah, so basically, well, we got the NBA coming back. I guess today is the first preseason games, which is completely crazy. And, you know, this season is going to be all about pairs like LeBron James and Anthony Davis and James Harden and John Wall and Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook and CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So basically, I was thinking like, who are the best pairs of the basketball champions league who are the best one two punches of the league and then i go on for two thousand words about it (laughs) but uh, in the end people are gonna have a chance to vote we kind of narrowed it down to 10 pairings and we had a little poll so i guess if it's out today or tomorrow or whenever people are gonna have a chance to vote and select their favorite one two punch of the basketball champions league Excellent, uh, and then the rankings, power rankings on Monday, um, always, always, always fun, and uh, I suppose difficult to figure out what you wanted to say with that. So, yes, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, this week we had uh, we had uh, another team go to three and zero. Rosa Bomberg joined Ike Dijon and Dynamo Sassari at three and zero. Obviously, Saragossa is there at two and zero. Uh, right to bet Bilbao picked up their first win in BCL history. And then we had a game winner, uh, not quite buzzer beater, but uh, pretty close with Sam Decker there for Turk Telecom Ankara. Uh, and for the interview of the week, we talked to Adama Darbo from Bucking Bears. So we talk uh, some Danish basketball, uh, not something that we usually talk about. Let's uh, let's start with the week, the week six standout performance and uh, uh, Fevriga. Uh, has two people in there. A great game from them. We'll talk about that later, of course. Kyle Allman with his 17 points, nine assists against Ritas, and Michael Kaiser with the 18 points, nine rebounds, four blocks, 30 efficiency. Uh, Jaromir Bocek showed uh, that he can do his thing for Strasbourg, not just for a Czech team against Peristeri with 21 and five rebounds. Uh, D'Angelo Harrison from Brindisi had 21 points, including some big three-pointers to to close it off for sure against Osten, and uh, the uh, sweet hair looking uh, uh, Yasil Rivero from Burgos, the reigning champs, uh, crushed uh, Dasha Faka, and he had 26, six rebounds, three assists in just 23 minutes. Uh, just your thoughts, real quick, on 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 that grouping of of players. Um, 
really impressed with the two guys from Vefriga, mm. uh, Allman and Kaiser, basically. The perfect uh, combination of a young athletic guard and a young athletic center who can dunk anything around the rim. So I'm going to talk a bit later about them, but really, really impressed with what Vefriga have been doing this season. Anybody you think maybe would have liked to have seen in there? No, I don't think anybody can complain about this one. Um, basically, it's just everybody had really good games of these guys. So I don't think like, <laughs> no, nah, I think this is it. I think this is the best one. Yeah, I, 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 it would have been, it wouldn't have been wrong to put somebody in from from Nizhny, but uh, it would have been probably wrong to take one of these guys out. I would say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's let's move into the games. Uh, let's go group uh, uh, order of, of, of the groups. Um, so there was a game day one makeup with Falco hosting uh, uh, Nizhny Novgorod. Um, Nizhny ended up winning 93-88 uh, and moving to 1-1. One one. Both teams are 1-1. One one. Group D has Saragossa at 2-0 and, oh and Lublin at 0-2. At, uh, um, maybe just, you know, we just mentioned, uh, uh, that Nizhny could have had somebody in there. Maybe just your thoughts about, about this performance, uh, for any, any notes on this one. This is a big, huge win for Nizhny because it could be the one that sends them to the next round mm -hmm. since Lublin are obviously at the bottom of the group and Falco are one of the toughest home courts we have in the Basketball Champions League. I don't remember a lot of teams winning away in Hungary. So basically a five-point win could be more than enough for Nizhny to sneak into the second round if we take that Zaragoza are the clear favorites of the group and that Lublin are clear outsiders of the group. So this win could have like larger implications even though it was basically game day one makeup. So it could be decided already with this group. True. Uh, the only thing is that it is only a five-point victory, um, so Falco could definitely make that up. Um, that's that's given that uh, both of these teams are then in the in the tie for two, for second second and third place. Uh, moving to Group E, uh, we had uh, Six Strasbourg uh, knocking off uh, Peristeri by twenty seventy-seven. 57 and Fevriga, as mentioned before, uh, knocking off Ritas Vilnius 85 81. Uh, Strasbourg and Fevriga are both 2 and 1, and Ritas and Peristeri are both 1 and 2. Um, I'll, let you, I'll let you start with what you want to talk about in these two games. Uh, obviously, um, you know, this is a group that we've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, winning and losing by, by big points. Um, and, you know, the 20-point loss by Peristeri um, is uh, obviously a big one. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to need time with the new coach, with Coach Pedelakis and Ioannis uh, Borussis coming into the team. They're going to need some time to figure it out and start scoring because 57 is not mm -hmm. going to get the job done anyway. Uh, but the other game was a much, much closer game and a fun game to see. And, like, even though Ritas fell to 0-2 at home, there are some signs of progress with them, and they were they were basically depleted completely. They were without Arnas Butkevich, uh, without Ryan Boatwright, without uh, uh, Andrew Godlock, so three of their starters, basically. And Ndur only played like without a practice coming out of the national team break, so 
it was signs of improvement definitely for Ritas, and I think they could they could have a good second half of the regular season, but not sure if the damage is already done for them. And as for Vefriga, they're everything you want to you want your small team to be like uh, young, athletic, fast, and two wins on the road, <laughs> almost the same result because they defeated Peristeri. 84-81, and this one was 85-81. Yeah, and what I liked about Riga was them, just like they did against Strasbourg, punching them in the face early on. Uh, it was 19-2 to um, yep. on the road, and and then losing that lead. Uh, they were actually down by 11 midway to late in the third third quarter, but then coming back and and showing that they had learned the lessons of, of uh, that they uh, from the from the Strasbourg game, which they obviously lost at the buzzer, to come back and and get the victory. Um, and so yeah, huge huge victory for 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 Riga and and you know definitely have to think that that's going to be very close to uh, to to um, you know to to being the the you know really the one that one of the ones you know if they get one more. Um, uh, it seems like they they should have enough. Uh, obviously, it's way to be seen. And a good thing for them is that they still have two games at home in yeah. the other part of the regular season. Yeah. So um, I think one thing that kind of explains the hot start and the cold middle of the game and the hot finish is their depth because they mm-hmm. came with only ten players and I, I think one of them didn't even play. So there's not a lot of depth there. And basically, it's going to be tough for them to keep up the same kind of tempo for 40 minutes. But still, it's like when they're playing good, they're such a joy to watch. I mean, I became a fan, and I have nothing to do with Riga. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I've been on, I've been on, I've been on their bandwagon all season too. So, um, yeah, you had to notice though that the that they really had problems uh, with the. You know, really, Ritas isn't necessarily known for for fantastic defense necessarily, and and they they would you know just one turnover after the next when Alman was off the bench, and then it took them time to finally get momentum back. So, you know, worrying a little bit about uh, about about playmaking in in big important games uh, might be something to look forward to, uh, look uh, look at. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking from the other side of that because Ritas is they are the ones that applied all the pressure mm-hmm. in that comeback because it was a lot of trapping and high-risk defense all over the court and a lot of switching. So basically, um, that's that's more up to them than up to Riga. I think that that kind of defense from Ritas is what could get them out of this hole. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. Obviously, there's the, the big loss that they're still trying to make up. They're still minus 20 right now in the in the group. Uh, let's move to Group F. Uh, Bamberg, Rosa Bamberg, knocked off uh, Pinar Kashiakia, uh, um, 83-82, moving to 3-0. Kashiakia drops to 1-1. And then Fortuna uh, Bologna, 0-2 after a 69-64 loss to Bilbao, who then moved to 1-2. Yep, go ahead. Uh, Either game, what's your... Uh, preference, uh, I imagine it's probably the the game for, really for uh, first place. Yeah, I mean this kind of even though Bilbao are basically ahead of Karciaka right now because they have a point more because they play the game more. But this kind of feels like this is Bamberg and Karciaka's group to win or to lose because they they seem to be on another level compared to Bilbao and especially compared to Bologna. 
And both Bilbao and Bologna have been struggling with their rotations and with their domestic league starts and a bunch of close game uh, defeats, especially for Bilbao. So I think they, they kind of, the, by the time they hit the right gear, it'll be over. Bamberg and Karciaka will probably have secured the second round even before the last game. They, that, that's just the general impression that I had of this group. Yeah, um, Fortitude, obviously, they uh, let go of their coach, Mio Sakati. And um, actually, you know, I was really hoping for uh, Ethan Happ to maybe get uh, up to 10 blocks. Um, I was, he, was my, he was my choice for the, uh, the triple-double, uh, the next triple-double in BCL. He had 19, uh, po uh, 19 points, 10 rebounds, and, and 6 blocks. Um, but you know, anytime you go six minutes without a, without a point or, or nearly six minutes without a point, it's not gonna you're not gonna very not gonna do very much. I, I was um, staying going to to Bumber because obviously that was really the more important game. Uh, you know, uh, Morgan was was just uh, a beast, and uh, you what I really like about this Bumber team, uh, and and you've talked a lot about it, is that they're a lot further along than than. Um, than than many, uh, including myself, had thought they would be. Um, you know, feel th those guys are blocking important shots. Uh, you know, Kravish came yes. a couple of. Uh, I, I need to go back and look, but he seems to be uh, just excellent in, in 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 blindside blocks. You know, from behind, and then obviously there was the huge block by Feeler, uh, where Morgan had the open lane. I don't even know how that came about, and then just came over and and really saved the victory for for. Um, uh, for Kashiaka. Kashiaka led for 37 seconds, you know, uh, and this was a close game. Seven points was the biggest lead in either side. And, uh, you know, I'm really impressed with, with Bennett Hunt. You know, you know we talked to, to Dominic Lockhart uh, when he was on the show about the development of, 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 uh, of Hunt. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a Berlin kid who, who, you know, has just, you know, taken one step up and, and, uh, after the next was with, was with coach uh, Ryakers at Göttingen now and had really a, a, a tremendous game running the show. You know, if there, if there's nothing going at the end of the shot clock, he he recognizes. All right, I'll, I'll go to the basket and and, and he's crafty enough. Uh, even though his you know, obviously he's a small card, uh, but to, to and plus the help really helps that he's lefty because he can get he can get to to, to spots that people don't always expect. Yes, uh, I mean, he knows the system of the coach, so basically it's a lot easier to have that transition to a new club when you already know what the coach wants wants you to run because you're the point guard and the play caller out there on the floor. But going back to Fieler and Kravish, like, they are... Ex even, I don't think it, they expected to be playing so well together. They have the greatest kind of chemistry that two of big guys can have. And one thing that I have to say about them is they're deceptively, deceptively athletic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. You wouldn't say like Chase Fielder is a guy who could jump to the top of the backboard anytime when you see him on the floor. Like he's kind of always in a half rhythm, like just jumping around and everything. And then all of a sudden he's up there blocking shots, dunking, dishing the assists, alley-oops and everything. So they have, a great thing going on in Bamberg. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving to Group H, uh, the reigning champions uh, with Burgos knocking off uh, Dashafaka 100 to 70 to move to two and one. Uh, Dashafaka Tech Fund drops to one and two. 
And uh, happy Casa Brindisi uh, wins on the road at Philo Ostend, 92-80. Brindisi 2-1, Ostend down to 1-2. I'll let you start. What's bizarre about these two results is that actually Burgos against Doroshafaka was a much closer game than Brindisi against Ostend mm -hmm. because Brindisi had 58 at the break and it was game over by then. But as for Burgos and Daroshafaka, this was a one-point game midway through in the third quarter. And then coach Jean Peñaroya had one of the impressive timeouts of the season, asking his guys just a simple question in Spanish, uh, where are your cojones? And after that, they went on a crazy run and finished with a plus 30 win, which is, like we always said, every point matters and they piled up 30 of them against Daroshafaka. Exactly. Um, and, and the only other thing I have in this one is is basically you, you know, if you're Ostend, you have to be happy that it was only 12, uh, a 12 point loss. They were down by 26 uh, uh, mid whatever late third quarter. Um, and I believe it even got down to nine points. And um, and uh, but, you know, getting it down to 12 points is you know gonna be huge um you know you have to try to go to brindisi uh, try to go to southern italy and try to uh to to get a 13 point victory it's a lot easier than trying to get a 24 point victory or something so that that's really the only thing that i have uh, because uh, you mentioned it was a blowout it was uh, it was clear ba basically from the beginning yeah and that's the part of that i don't understand really for daroshafaka's point of view because you know that this is going to be a close group and you know mm -hmm. that Everything could happen. So how can you fall apart like that in the final 15 minutes of the game? And I'm talking about like, it's not about basically just Burgos hitting every kind of shot. It's the fact that Thad McFadden had six straight open looks from the three-pointers. <laughs> yeah. Four straight, he missed another two, so they kind of even dodged the bullet. And then after that, it was uh, fast break after fast break. So that shouldn't happen to a team that wants to play in the playoffs here because it's not the same if you lose by five or if you lose by 30. No, we've been talking about it every, you know, very from the very beginning, you know, every with this different format, every point uh, is is crucial. So yeah, heck, even heck, even um, I can't remember who hit, who hit the three at the buzzer uh, for Brindisi, you know, um, you know, going and, and it was so nonchalant, you know, nobody, you know, nobody yeah. thought much about it. But that three, who knows, that three might get them uh, Brindisi into the uh, into the into the the next the next stage, you know, because even though it was at the buzzer, nobody thought much about it. But uh, you know, the, you know, that's could be huge, you know, because now you know it, it's it's also a lot different. Ostend, if you're going after a, ten, a nine point loss or a twelve point loss, so yeah, same. Yep. All we right. One more game. You skipped one more game. Turk Telecom. Uh, ah, yeah, of course. Uh, gee, I did skip a game that was uh, Turk Telecom Ankara. Um, the, the, the close buzzer beater, I'm a, oh, close to a buzzer beater, uh, then knocking off yeah. Limoges, uh, 76, 73 to move to two and one, one and two for Limoges, uh, go for it. Um, this is the closest group by far. So out of the five games that we had so far, okay. only, only Igokea against Turk Telecom was a double digit win. 
all the other games were like four points, five points, six points, and now three points. So this is as close as it gets. And everybody is taking it seriously. And even Turk Telecom, who are currently leading the group, have a negative points difference. <laughs> they are minus four. So basically, this, this is going to be complete craziness. And they have... A crazy schedule coming up. It's going to be on December 22nd to December 24th. It's going to be Igokea against Jerusalem, then Limoges against Turk Telecom, then Jerusalem against Igokea. So basically, three games in three days in that group. I mean, I don't, I don't see any one of those games being a double-digit game. Yeah, and really, I you know I I, I thought that was a, a you know in general an upset with uh, Igokea uh, knocking off uh, Turk Telecom, but then you know thinking that's the biggest uh, victory, uh, you know you really have to be surprised by that. Yep. Uh, let's move to overtime. We're going to start with the stat of the week. Uh, you got duty honors. Uh, I'm going to go with nine. Uh, that's the number of dunks that uh, Michael Kaiser and uh, Alex Madsen had between them in the game of Ritas against Vefriga. And Nathan says, athletic front court like nine dunks in 40 minutes for just two guys. Kaiser had five, Madsen had four, including the dunk of the century, probably. I mean, it's gonna. it was the top play of the week, and it's going to be a top play for a long time because it was... Right foot and right hand, and that's kind of crazy to do, and a poster dunk, so it's just super athletic move that, for the Finnish guy. That was vicious. <laughs> uh, that, that was that was that was that was impressive for sure, for sure. Um, he he seemed on a mission for sure. Um, yeah, I did, I did that game on Croatian TV, and basically uh, I lost that. the voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I went full Jeff Taylor on that one. <laughs> Uh, I went with 82, and that is the number of points scored by Russian players in Nizhny Novgorod's win over over um, Falco. Falco. Um, yeah. Casey Shepard, uh, his 11 points being the only other 11 points. 82 points uh, by one by one uh, by by domestic players. You know that's in this day and age that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, Coach Lukic knows what he's doing, so kudos to them. Yeah. Uh, overreaction Friday. Uh, I'll start. I'm gonna go Peristeri. You know, I, I always pick. I always pick. Uh, you know, teams that are in trouble. Um, you know, they do have the 18 point victory over Ritas, the minus three loss to Favriga, and now losing by 20 points to Strasbourg. Okay, it's there's there's you know, the, the door is still open to get there. Uh, but you mentioned it that you know they're gonna need some time to, to get the pieces. You know, it wasn't just uh Barusa's coming in, they also brought in Pedway, and 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 you know, this is gonna take some time. They lost to Lavrio in uh in the in the Greek league and needed overtime to beat Heraclius on the road. So um I'm gonna say that, you know, Peristeria is in is, is in trouble in getting getting um to the to the next round because of this twenty point loss. Oh, so given your track record I should go and bet some money on Peristeri making the, <laughs> the second <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. For my part of the overreaction Friday, I'm not even sure if it's overreaction by now, but I think that Hasiel Rivero is going to be in the talks mm -hmm. for the MVP of the season, which is completely crazy because, like, four years ago, nobody knew who Hasiel Rivero was. 
two years ago he was playing for Boca Juniors in Argentina. <laughs> I mean, and nowadays he's like a force to be reckoned with and just the heart and the soul of the Burgos team and really, really wouldn't be surprised if he made it all the way to the top and became the MVP of the league. Yeah, Turk, uh, Col- uh, Cuban hoops, man. Uh, you look at uh, Howard St. Louis. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, so definitely. Yep. He's, uh, and um, the guy from Telecom Bond who played up. Bartolo. Yo, man. Bartolo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. basically, uh, they, they, it's it's coming up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And this, this, this kind of development for Rivero between the ages of 25 and 27 is... Um, I mean, it's completely nuts. It's completely nuts. It's, if he keeps it up on the same kind of trajectory, he's going to be an, an NBA kind of player by the time he's 30. <laughs> and crazier things have happened. So, uh, I mean, with his athleticism and his understanding of the game and the footwork, uh, anything could happen. All right. Did you know? You start. Uh, did you know that uh, some? Decker of uh, Turk Telecom made the exact same shot from the exact same point back in high school, and it was it was I'm, I'm not sure if it's my pronunciation is right, but Sheboygan Sheboygan High School, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So basically, he's uh, like completely crazy about his hometown and keeps talking about it, and this is probably why because he when he played there for in high school, it was like eight years ago. And he just dribbled it up court and took a wild three-pointer to win the game and just stood there like ice cold. Like It was the kind of Damian Lillard viciousness before Damian Lillard. So basically, he knew the spot. And next time around, when you have a close game against Turk Telecom, just make sure that Sam Decker is not in the right corner. <laughs> exactly. Um, I did you know is that Derek Willis of Brindisi grew up on the Native American Wind River Reservation in Wyoming, which is the oh, yeah. seventh largest reservation in, in the United States. His mother, uh, father's from Kentucky, uh, where he uh, moved to when he was five, and his mother is uh, a member of three uh, Native American tribes, Southern, Arapaho, Pawnee, and Creek. And if you look at him, a lot of the tattoos on his body um, have Native American Native American roots. Got uh, a wolf, um, a hairdress, skull, dreamcatcher. So, um, yeah, I, I actually saw that, but I didn't know it was kind of related because I remember talking to Malcolm Hill of Jerusalem uh, when we were in Athens for the final eight, and he had like a Jewish symbol tattooed. And I asked him like, "So, are you Jewish or not?" No, I'm <laughs> just just like the symbol, just like kind of the thing that went behind it and everything but come on i'm kind of christian and basically just got that kind of a tattoo and nowadays it serves him right because he he's playing for jerusalem so he the fans really accepted him much faster than usual because he has a tattoo like that next one is hottest shooter uh i'm actually going to go for the full team and i'm going to say falco sympathy they uh, made all 18 of their free throws the joint high record. Uh, Dasha Faka did the same thing against Brindisi in November. And for the season, so 18 of 18, and for the season they are 36 of 38, which is 94.7%. So, what do you got? That, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> exactly. I got, uh, I got uh, Victor Benite. Mm-hmm. Uh, his 16 points against Dasha Faka doesn't sound like something so crucial, but all of them came 
uh, in the first half when he came off the bench. Like, he made three straight three-pointers, and it was just, no matter what you did, you knew they were going to go in. So, basically, he's the difference maker for Burgos, and he's like, uh, it has to be, do something for you when you're Darushafak and you're doing your best to defend, and then Benite comes in and just calmly knocks down three straight three-pointers, open looks, good shots. I mean, he's just the guy that you don't want to get hot, and that's it. I obviously don't want McFadden to get hot either, so it's cool. Yeah, they're tough, man. They are tough, and then you have and then you have Rivero and everybody else. On. Exactly, like they're a whole team. But like, if you have to stop somebody, I'm, I'm guessing like kind of I'm gonna lock Benita in the locker room and try my chances with the other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, call the shooter. Who do you, who do you have? Um, same game actually. Andrew Andrews had a horrible game. He couldn't buy a bucket and was struggling real hard because. Um, Burgos did one thing exceptionally well. They read every single play that Darushafaka had, and when Dosos de Mirolo was running the pick and rolls, they were just backing off. But when Andrews was trying to run anything, they were hedging, they were jumping out. Like guys like Jordan Sarko and Dan Kravic were chasing him around the half court line. So basically, excellent defensive job by Burgos, but still, like. If you're averaging 23 points per game in the first two games, Andrew Andrews, then you could have got something going and you could have taken over, should have taken over, actually, especially when your team was struggling so much in this game. Uh, I went with uh, Ludo Hickinson, uh from Bilbao, went 0 for 4 against on three-pointers from uh, uh, against Fortitudo. Uh, 1 of 11 uh, from long range on the season. So. Yeah, he's, uh, he's struggling and... I kind of don't want to put him out. No, I love I the guy. Love the guy. The, the buzz, but kind of if he made more shots, I think that Bilbao would have been like at five and five in Spain and at two and one in BCL at least. Yeah, no, but I love the guy. Don't again. Also, don't, yeah. don't don't want to put him under the bus for sure. So. All yeah. right. So let's go to the interview. We uh, uh, we talked to we talked some Danish basketball, Bakken Bears, Danish national team. Obviously, they had two big upsets in the in the FIBA window with them knocking off Lithuania and Czech Republic. Uh, so we talked to Adama Dabo from from Bakken Bears. So uh, enjoy that, and we'll catch you on the other side. So on the show this week we have Adama Darbo from Bakken Bears. Uh, Adama, thanks for coming on and taking some uh, some taking some time. Yeah, of course. Um, usually, we we with a usually we want to talk to um, a team uh, that's won a game uh, in the in the BCL, uh, but uh, you guys have really given us a lot of joy, and um, and uh, with Bakken Bears uh, in this competition, and uh, I just I wanted to. Uh, we wanted to get you on and, and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the, the club and, and its run so far, and then also some some Danish basketball. Uh, let, let's start with the most recent game. Uh, it was against uh, Dynamo Sasari, and, and it was a home game. Um, the the first half was was close, um, and then they they kind of pulled away uh, a little bit in the third quarter, and it was it was a seven point victory. Maybe maybe your your thoughts in general about about how the the team played. I mean, it's been now a couple of weeks, but maybe uh, your thoughts on how that game went. I mean, first of all, uh, I do believe it was a close game. It was our first uh, home game of the season in the in the BCL, so 
it was uh, we were really excited, of course, and uh, I mean we were two before this game, so we were, we really wanted to to get a victory and, and show that uh, that we were able to compete uh, at this level. Um, well aware that you know, the Italian team, of course, is uh, in my eyes and, uh, and and most eyes in Europe, I think is is a really high quality level of a, of a team, you know, and uh, you can just see that they just beat uh, Vicious Bologna uh, away and beat also. So, you know, this is a really high quality team and uh, with the yeah, Italian national team players and Mediterranean national team players. So, so it's a really high quality team and we knew that we, uh, we had to put in a 40 minutes uh, effort of, uh, of even competing, but also beating them. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I feel like it was a close game. Uh, with a lot of uh, tactics, uh, both inside and outside. And um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it went to their favor. The game was played on November 18th. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes two, three weeks can seem like a, ages ago in, in these crazy times. It was the team's home, for the, the first home game of the season. And there were actually some fans in the stands. Um, you know, maybe just how nice of a feeling was it to have that support, uh, you know, obviously in these crazy times and also, but just to be able to have at least some fans there, um, uh, for you guys in your first BCL home game of the season. I mean, we miss our fans like crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, if you ask any athlete in, in every sports in, in, in the world, it's, it's, it's a different feeling not playing in front of fans and especially not fans that, you know, supports you. Uh, even even away games is, 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 is totally different. You know, you see empty gyms all around, and you know that's the world situation right now, and you have to adapt to it. But it was it was nice. We could have uh, we could have 500 people uh, inside the gym, but that's including team staff, whatever. So there was around I think maybe 400 people in there uh, supporting us, and and really tried to make it, make a good scene for us, you know, and, and and try to support us in any way. So. It was crazy nice to to have a, a little bit of fans and uh, you know what the restrictions in uh, in Denmark tells us we can have, but at the same time we we would love to fill up the gym uh, with with our spectators and fans. Um, but again, that's the situation, and uh, I hope this uh, Corona situation uh, ends soon. But uh, yeah, our our fans is uh, for sure crazy important for us. There's three strong teams in this uh, in your group. I mean, you guys have uh, Cesari, uh, you There's obviously Galatasaray and Barostar Tenerife. Um, your first game was against uh, against Tenerife, and it was in 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 Spain uh, in Tenerife. Um, you guys led by seven points in the first quarter, uh, and it was still even tied early in the second quarter. You know, they ended up you know pulling away, which they can do against any any team. Um, you know, and one by twenty-five. Maybe, maybe uh, just your, you know, the biggest takeaways from that game. You know, the being the first game uh, in the BCL that uh, this season for for the club. I mean, actually, uh, I, I didn't play that game because I started my season out uh, with Spiro uh, Chalouin in Belgium, and I came a little bit later. So I came actually after that game, but uh, of course, I uh, I saw the game live and uh, I've seen it afterwards, and uh, I tried to analyze. Uh, how they play and, and how uh, Bakken played. And then, you know, uh, we also had a little bit of a turbulent uh, kind of couple of months here where we've been uh, subbing people in and out of, uh, of Bakken Bears. And uh, luckily now we found found the ground where there's, there's, there's people that's been playing the whole season, but also people coming in like myself. Um, and, you know, Tenerife, that's, that for me, that's a, at least a top ten team in Europe, and you can see that in the standings in, in BCL, but also in, in ACB. Uh, 
crazy good team. And uh, like, uh, you know, the first the first quarter was uh, really tight and Dalton was playing amazing. And um, then uh, Tenerife showed some uh, some really strong performances uh, both in the second half, but especially in the third quarter. Uh, sorry, in the second uh, second quarter, both in the third quarter. And um, that's, that's what those teams do, you know. All of a sudden... Uh, you look at the scoreboard and it's tied, and all of a sudden you look and seven minutes has passed and they're up by 20. So <laughs> they they do that to a lot of teams, and unfortunately they also did it to us. Yeah, uh, and, and the second game was in Turkey, uh, and you guys led by 10 points in the first quarter, and it was tight uh, until the beginning of the second half uh, against Galatasaray. You guys ended up losing by by 10. Um you know, taking those two in games into account, also the game against Sasari, what do you think is the biggest difference in why you guys just haven't been able to, you know, keep up that strong play for longer? I mean, obviously it's a learning experience. You have uh, some guys who have never played, uh, you know, at this level and whatnot. But, you know, what do you think is the, the, the biggest difference um, uh, that, you got, that you've noticed in these first three games? I mean... It's for sure staying focused uh, through the whole game, and you know every shot counts, and uh, every shot selection counts, and every defense defensive possession counts. I mean, if we look at our group, and but also if you look at the other group, I think the PCL is, is, is stronger than ever, um, and it's been improving their quality of teams throughout the whole campaign. Um, and uh, you can you can tell on our group, you know, like uh, we have a top team from Italy. A top team from uh, from Spain, <laughs> and then we have a a team that with great history and been having a little bit of a of a downside this season. But you know, I think they they're on a winning streak in the Turkish league and in the BCL. Uh, so this is crazy tough teams, and um, you know you really have to stay in focus. And of course, uh, it's also a matter of having everybody ready. I mean, we were missing uh, one of our key guys uh, against Sasari and Galatasaray. They were. Some some uh, some changes in the in the roster going on also so you know this is a but this is a sports excuses you know and you can't really rely on them that's the reality of sports so uh, you know it's just tough teams and you have to stay you have to stay extremely focused for 40 minutes and uh, then uh, if you do those uh, those things uh, you might end up with a win but uh, if you don't do them you most likely gonna end up with a loss and uh, that's basically what happened uh, in these three first games and. Uh, that's what something we've been working on, and and we have to uh, really, really stay focused and ready when uh, we are in this upcoming game against Sasaya away. Uh, Bakken got into the Champions League uh, in the first BCL season back in um, uh, back in 2016-17. You played in that uh, in that season uh, with uh, you guys ended up with a one and thirteen record. Um, the the club failed to qualify through the for the next three seasons, uh, including losing a, a 24 point lead in the two game tie with Karavnos last year in the first round. I'm sure that's not something you gladly want to remember. Um, but maybe how important was it for the club to get back into the BC? I mean, you guys are a power in uh, in Denmark, but how important is it to 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 get to this level and to be able to play against these great teams? I mean, this is something that I, I'm truly grateful uh, of being a part of, but also uh, what I really enjoy and love about this club. They uh, they want to compete all the time. They want to improve. And uh, I've been here for, yeah, this is my first season in the club. And, and every single year we improve something, you know. Uh, if it's on the on the staff side or if it's on, you know, competing in, in the next level or, you know, like upgrading the roster or upgrading the whatever around the players. So, you know, they always try to upgrade us. And uh, 
we uh, were extremely disappointed about losing uh, a couple of qualification rounds to uh, to BCL because I feel like uh, even though right now our record doesn't say so, uh, I feel like we belong there and I feel like uh, the club belong there. And um, we've been uh, really proving ourselves in the FIBA Euro Cup the last couple of years uh, with uh, two semi-final spots and, and one quarter-final. So, you know, we want to we wanna take that next step. And uh, and the BCL, like you said, uh, is, is, is high-quality teams all around. And, uh, you know, like you said, Kiafnos uh, is also having a tough time in that group. But, uh, you know, you have to compete against those teams to, to qualify. And then you have to compete maybe against teams that are on the next level. So uh, I really I really love that Bakken Bears is really trying to to improve all the time. And, um, you know, now it's up to us, us players and, and our staff and coaches to, to show that we also belong here. Uh, let's go back in your career. Denmark is is known actually as a handball nation. Of course, there's football, um, even cycling, ice hockey, sailing, tennis, uh, basketballs. We'll we'll talk more about it. But you know, basketball's still kind of down there. Um, maybe how and when did basketball find you? I mean, uh, I started out like yeah. I mean, basketball is is kind of small in Denmark right now. Uh, we really uh, our our members are really. Uh, on a high note now and they're really going uh, up, 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 up and up. So, you know, people are really uh, starting to see basketball and with all the, with all the NBA going on and, and also watching EuroLeague and then BCL and stuff like that, um, you know, people are really starting to, to low basketball and like basketball. And you can tell that uh, in, in Denmark, but also especially in Oz, where Bakken is, uh, that, you know, people recognize us and people really come to our games, uh, besides Corona, of course, but, People are really starting to recognize basketball, uh, also in the media. And um, I, I, I started uh, late also when I was like, I think I was 12, 13 years old. Um, that's maybe a little like six or seven years too late. But, uh, you know, I started out playing basketball and, and playing other sports because they're simply bigger. And um, right now there's some, some really good things going on in, in, in the Danish school system, but also in the Danish culture about basketball. You know, we got the, something called the, the Burnet Basket Fund, which is, which is really out in schools uh, promoting basketball and, and, and getting youth to, to know basketball. And that along with the with, with coaches really wanted to do something special uh, and, and development players, I think uh, we have a really bright future ahead of us. Uh, when you were 20, you left Denmark for Iceland uh, and ended up playing there two seasons. Uh, maybe how much of a step up do you think that was back then? I mean, just uh, just you know, learning to be professional and learning to adapt to another culture, and, and you know, uh, also playing at a at a little bit of a higher level than Denmark was back then was a, a really big improvement for me, and uh, I really enjoyed my times in Iceland. And uh, I mean, they uh, it was a amazing years, and I was a also young young foolish kid at that <laughs> time uh, who did, who hadn't. Uh, we haven't learned to adapt to a, a really professional system, but you know, when you're in that situation, and I think that everybody who's uh, abroad playing basketball can adapt to is, you know, you adapt slowly, and uh, it takes uh, it takes uh, anywhere from uh, I'd say one to five years to to adapt to being professional. You know, uh, learning how to uh, get some good sleep, learning how to eat well, learning how to talk to media, learning how to be around uh, players, coaches, and other clubs. You know, and and when it comes to you know, everything is everything's professional. So it was a it was a crazy step for me, and uh, I'm I'm really happy that I did it. Uh, it was either that or going to college, and 
of course, uh, college would also have been a great opportunity for me, but um, I was, I was really, uh, really happy that I made the choice of, of turning pro at such a young age. And then in 2018, you, you started your one season in Spain in the LeBrons. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what made you stay just the one year there and then return home? I mean, actually, it was, uh, it was the financial crisis in 2007, 2008. You know, was, uh, you could really tell that, uh, especially the south of uh, Spain and Andalusia was, uh, was really uh, hit hard on that, on that note. And, uh, you know, you can tell that a lot of people was losing their jobs. And, uh, and I had the opportunity to come back. But, you know, the club, of course, uh, really uh, lost a lot of money on, on, on the financial crisis. So, uh, my offer from uh, different clubs in Spain was wasn't wasn't uh, really acceptable for me, and at that time uh, I had a, I had some uh, some things back home that I really wanted to attend, and uh, so I decided to to say that okay, I've been out for three years, and uh, I was only 21 when I came back to Denmark after three years, you know, in different countries. So I decided that you know uh, my basketball career had a couple years more to uh, to live on, so uh, I just uh, decided that okay. Let me go home and and you know enjoy that I, I've been away for three years, but also enjoy that I have the possibility to go home and especially to my old club Prasam, which has uh, really done a lot for me in my youth. And then three years at home uh, in in uh, in Denmark, uh, you then left for Sweden for three years, and you also played Euro Challenge FIBA Europe Cup first chance to uh, to play internationally, um, and then came back to to, to Denmark and Bakken. You know, maybe how much development had you seen then in the in the league uh, by 2016? You know, you had spent the three years away, back three, uh, back three years, and then three years again away. Uh, by 2016, maybe where did you see the league? Uh, I think that development has been uh, a little bit slowly, but but still uh, uprising. You know. Um, of course, Bakken Bears has taken some huge steps. Uh, we've been able to uh, work around from there. I mean, in my opinion, uh, all clubs uh, that really want to improve, improve uh, starts by the organization and, and hiring people that can, you know, take care of sponsors and uh, and take care of media and stuff like that. And then you build up from there. And Bakken Bears has been amazing at doing that. Um, and, you know, the league is, is also really, uh, really on, on a good note right now. I mean, a lot of a lot of clubs is really trying to, to you know, really get this professional setup, which haven't been there in Denmark before. I mean, Bakken has always, I mean, always, but the last century had a really professional setup, but the the other clubs are have, have been a little bit struggling with that. But now they really, really try to have a professional setup with the uh, full time coaches and and uh, also being able to uh, to develop players in in a lot of ways. Uh, so. It's, it's really going good. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, on an uprising note, and, and I'm, uh, I see uh, Danish basketball future have a, have a really, you know, really bright future ahead of it. And yet, you you decided to to actually leave uh, again. You you signed with Charleroi in in Belgium, which is um, which is a, a step up as far as league goes. Um, and uh, and then you ended up uh, uh, heading back to 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 Bucking. Maybe just in general, that whole thought process of of, of leaving um, and and you know probably wanting to take a jump up in the league, and then also maybe uh, in the end, uh, the the you know the the positive 
uh, feeling at the end that you know you're also now going to get a chance to play again in the Champions League. I mean, it was a, it was definitely a tough decision, uh, and you know I really love and enjoy my life uh, in Aarhus and in Bach the Bears, and uh, we got some great things going on here. But you know, at some point in, in your career, I mean, in my career, I never really took these chances uh, going late into the summer and see how the market is. I always uh, kind of like chose the, the safe alternative. Um, but now uh, this summer, I really. Uh, I really felt it was time to to see, uh, you know, what uh, what what possibilities was out there. And uh, really early in the in the process, Shalwa uh, was was there, and uh, I just thought that uh, it was time to take a chance. And even though uh, the world is in a really uh, special and uncertain situation uh, with the Corona, of course, and with the COVID, uh, I thought it was it was time to leave my uh, my safe choice in backing and, 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 and try something new. Um, so it was it was a crazy tough decision, but you know I'm really also happy I did it. And, uh, I mean, Chalwa was uh, an amazing place, amazing staff members, an amazing uh, amazing amazing coach. Uh, of course, uh, it was a really good situation for me. But with uh, with the COVID and of course uh, with the outbreak in Belgium, uh, I thought that uh, it was it was a too uh, uncertain situation for me and. You know, then, uh, then right after I actually decided that I wanted to leave, uh, you know, back and reach out without even hearing that I uh, that I had to leave, and uh, and uh, it all worked out perfectly. Uh, so, yeah, I was uh, it was a tough decision, but um, I'm also really happy that I did it. And uh, sometimes you have to take these small chances in life to to also to know what you have, but also. Uh, also, be able to to do those things is, uh, I think, is a process of uh, human development. Yeah, for sure. Um, you you played many years for the Danish national team, are still playing. We'll get more to that as well. But um, take us back to September tenth, two thousand sixteen. It was is it was in uh, Nestved, uh, Denmark, in the qualifying for EuroBasket two thousand fifteen. Had gone two and two and ten. Uh, and then, but then in the qualifying for Eurobasket 2017, uh, you guys knocked off Germany in uh, in, an o- in a triple overtime thriller. Uh, maybe just your biggest memories, your biggest recollections of 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 that game, and 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 where it where it ranks. I mean, uh, yeah, that was a crazy, crazy game, and I feel like uh, you know, every, every player that's been playing three overtimes and get off with a win. Uh, I've been doing it a couple of times, and, and and luckily for me, I got out with a win. But uh, it was an amazing experience, and 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 Germany, of course, is is really high ranked uh, in Europe and uh, really uh, well respected as a as a basketball nation. And that was a, I feel like that was like kind of the breaking point where, you know, we we kind of looked at each other and be like, okay, you know, we're we're not that bad, you know, because it's been a the last century or so. Uh, or 10 to 15 years when I've been playing with the national team, it's been a struggle. Uh, when I came with the national team, it was uh, we were in we were in Group A with uh, all kind of big nations, and then we just took a really big dive down. And, and actually, for a lot of for two or three years, the, there wasn't any national team in Denmark. So it's been a really long journey of uh, of competing against the best nations. Uh, but you know, 2016 and, and that Germany game was was kind of where we all like looked at each other and be like, okay. If we really put uh, if we put our effort into it and and always uh, try to uh, 
to show up at the as the national team windows and uh we can do some great things and uh we can really see now that the that everybody chipped in uh, as much as they could and uh and you know right now we are <laughs> we just uh we're just enjoying the ride yeah, i mean i was a team with daniel tice in the nba right now you have danilo bartol johannes voigtman zipser low gifai uh those are all your early players benzing uh the german captain mm. You know, as a a team with mm-hmm. uh, with uh, you know not not really a second rate uh, German team, and you guys knocked them off in a thriller. Um, yeah. We we like to have our we like to give a chance to our followers uh, on the BCL uh, and, um, to ask some questions uh, from Instagram and from Lakers underscore Hamid eleven. Uh, who is your all time favorite NBA team and player, and why? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean. Uh... Actually, I'm, I'm I'm really uh, when I, when I started watching basketball, of course, it was NBA, and uh, I really uh, I really started because uh, uh, LeBron is kind of my age, uh, one year older, and I started watching him and started seeing his, uh, his hype uh, all the way from high school, and you know he's a he's a monster, you know he's a, he's one of those basketball players who you will probably never see in your lifetime again. So uh, I always say uh, thought LeBron was. Uh, was just a beast and and really uh i think uh in my opinion uh overall i'm not saying a scorer or winner or nothing like that that he is too but overall basketball wise i think he's the he's the best player in the world ever so i always followed him and and i and actually been following the teams that he's been around because i like to see how he uh, he makes teams winning teams and i think that uh that's uh that's a special gift back eight uh, period. Stelios wants to know if we had Europe in NBA 2K, what would be your ranking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. I mean, uh, yeah, I will uh, honestly probably be around. Uh, it's been a long time since I played NBA 2K, but uh, I'll probably be uh, in the 70s. I would like to be in the in the 80s, 85, but uh, realistically, I'll probably be on the 70s, 75. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know why we don't have that. Uh, shout out to 2K7, you know, bring Europe in it. Yeah, for sure, that would be fun. Uh, H.M2Fast, what's your favorite t- TV series, Netflix, or whatever, favorite series? Uh, I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the classic ones, but uh, Peaky Blindness was, uh, was definitely one of my uh, mm-hmm. all-time uh, shows, uh, along, of course, with the... Yeah, Vikings also was amazing, but also Sons of Anarchy was also one of the shows I really enjoy. Uh, so I think those are my are my top three of all time. I mean, there's a lot of good Breaking Bad was also crazy. <laughs> so there's a lot of good TV shows out there. Anything from Denmark that people should watch? Um, yeah, I mean, most uh, we have some uh, some good uh, crime series that's really been uh, on the high note uh, in Denmark, but. Of course, it's it's a little bit different because it's in Danish, so <laughs> there's probably uh, not so many people outside them that understand it. But um, Danish producers has really been uh, producing a lot of movies, and uh, you can see the the undoing with uh, Nicole Kidman at the moment, uh, which is Susanna Beer, who's a who's a well-known producer. So, uh, so um, we are more behind the scenes, I think. <laughs> so back and I actually still on break this week. 
Um, and you actually, speaking of break, had, a, had one heck of a FIBA window break. Uh, Denmark yeah. went to Lithuania for the FIBA Eurobasket 2022 qualifying bubble and uh, came up with the shocking 80 to 76 win over Lithuania, and then and then followed that up with the with the one point win over Czech Republic. You know, it must have been a magical feeling those three days and, and really the time since. Maybe, you know, we saw the celebrations after the Lithuania win on social media. You know, how, how do you go back? How do you, you know, look back on those on those games? I mean, that was uh, crazy, amazing. Uh, you know, like like I said, you know, back in 2016, we, we looked at each other and, and, and saw the German team and, and one of those in the triple overtime were, you know, okay, with all the respect for Germany, you know, Lithuania have a, a historic high level in Europe. And uh, if we just looked at it one day before that Lithuanian game, uh, I honestly don't think that uh, that anybody in Europe would, would think that we could be able to beat a team like that. So uh, it was uh, it was unbelievable and, and crazy and something that I would really remember through my, throughout my times uh, with the national teams, you know, like it's... Uh, it was unfortunately uh, uh, in this Corona bubble, and uh, mm-hmm. and you know we had a game two days after, so there wasn't really time to celebrate like we probably would would have done. But uh, no, it was uh, by far my the biggest win in probably Danish basketball history, and and in in my time with the national team, and you know there's an amazing feeling that you know it's probably not going to be in in my basketball lifetime, but you know. To be able to say that that you beat a team like that uh, in their own country, uh, yeah, it's, it was it was unbelievable. I was uh, I was really uh, yeah I was I was I was shocked, but also uh, really proud of uh, of the Danish national team and 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 myself included. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, what if a Lundberg did. You know those two games. He had the, the twenty-eight against um, against Lithuania, and then poured in thirty-eight against against Czech Republic. Just maybe talk about, you know how you know how much he did for you guys. I mean, he was he was crazy. He was amazing. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've been playing with him for for quite some time now, uh, and he's been uh, with me on this on this journey with the national team. Uh, you know, he's. Uh, crazy professional, crazy committed to to what he wants to do, and uh, and I really think uh, that he really built uh, on his on his basketball IQ and and, and skills. Uh, you know, I see I see actually like a, an amazing uh, an amazing uh, add-on if you could say it like that to uh, just a year ago from now. You know, he's uh, really been. I mean, those two games he was he was carrying us. You know, it was. Uh, Almost scoring at will, and yeah, he was. Uh, I don't really know what to say. He's he's, uh, he's a great guy and a, a really crazy professional, um, and of course, very 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 skilled guy. And, and uh, I wish the best for him. I think that uh, that he showed Europe that he could play uh, at the highest level. And of course, in February, you're heading back to 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 Lithuania for the final window. Uh, two huge games against Belgium and Lithuania. Uh, you were going to have to finish in the top two, uh, knowing the Czech Republic as one of the co-hosts um, are already in the in the tournament. Maybe expectations for those games. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, right now we uh, we of course enjoying that that we actually had a really good window uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know, 
uh, when it comes down to it, is uh, most likely going to be a, a dual die game uh, against Lithuania. Um, so uh, you know, we cannot live too long on, the, on that high note of, uh, of beating them. You know, we have to beat them most likely twice. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's fun. You know, um, I, as a as a professional athlete and uh, as a as a competitor, you you know you enjoy these games where everything's on the line. And uh, sometimes uh, in my career and and maybe also in the future, you will get disappointed. You know, for for failing in those moments. But uh, you know, if you believe and if you work hard and if you stay healthy and you know and you know the most thing is the most important thing is that you know everybody chips in and, and really believes that you can beat them. Then. Uh, then you will most likely succeed in those games. So that's uh, right now. I got a uh, some unfinished business in the BCL with Black and Bears. But uh, when when those when that window comes, uh, I'm gonna be ready and I'm gonna be extremely focused of uh, of bringing Denmark uh, to to our first uh, ever European competition. So you know, uh, yeah, I got a uh, I got some really really fun months ahead of me, and, and that window is uh, yeah, that's gonna be crucial. Uh, Maybe even for the basketball future, you know. You you mentioned it uh, last Danish question. Um, you know, of yep. the of the players on that on that team in that window, five of those guys were in Spain. Okay, they're all in the in the Leb Gold, but it's still Spain. You know, you see Lundberg dominating in the VTB for for his Polish side last season. He was BCL with with Tenerife. Uh, you uh, Darko are both uh, in BCL. You also have Siobhan Shields with Milan. Okay, he probably won't be able to play in in the next window, but maybe just talk about uh, you know um, uh, Gustav Knutsen, uh, one of the top young talents uh, actually in all of mm-hmm. Europe in the 2003 generations uh, in Saragossa. Mm-hmm. Maybe just your thoughts uh, about the state of of Denmark as they as they try to to who knows maybe get back to the Eurobasket. I mean that's uh, I think that's uh, the development of the bright future I talked about earlier is that uh, you know people actually uh, you know um, you know in Denmark we have a a really high level of uh, social security and and uh, you know people uh, have great opportunities to. To, you know, get a really good education or fine work, but uh, you know, this is also the development of, of of young players believing in themselves, believing that they can come out and compete against really big nations and and be, you know, like I said, uh, we have a lot of players in, in in Spain right now who's you know living and breathing basketball, and a lot of uh, these young kids that you see coming up, you know, like they're really they're focused. They're, I mean, I can't even compare it to myself. Uh, you know, they were they are extremely focused about. You know that they can make a career in basketball, and uh, you know, and this is a this is a big shout out to the coaches and to the clubs around Denmark that uh, they actually uh, work every day with them and, uh, and work extremely uh, goal oriented about how people should uh, should adapt to basketball and how they should believe in themselves, and uh, you know they will see great results. And uh, we are kind of like the first generation of that, um, you know. Daco, Kevin, me, uh, Issa, you know, uh, Sammy, whatever, you know, all these national team players are kind of like the first generation, but there's a huge, uh, there's a huge uh, wave coming in, I think, hitting uh, Europe in the next century with, uh, with Danish basketball players really, uh, really wants to prove themselves and really wants to, to show that uh, the Danish basketball is, you know, wants to be at a high level and, and, uh, and be respected around Europe, so. This is uh, probably a, a huge uh, 
a huge props to you know the different clubs in Denmark, but uh, especially coaches that that wants to uh, that puts uh, I don't know how many hours a week uh, in training these guys. So uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the professionalism that's really grown in Denmark. Let's finish the last two questions with Bakken, of course. Um, last season, after losing to Kravnos, you guys made a deep run in the FIBA Europe Cup, you know, went back to the semifinals, and, you know, you were going to face a uh, Turkish, uh, Turkish team, uh, Bacasira, um, before COVID pandemic hit and canceled the rest of the season. Maybe just how frustrating was it um, that you guys weren't able to get a chance to at least try to finish the job? Oh, it's extremely frustrating, you know, like... Uh... We really delivered a good game in, uh, in Smoky Minsk in the quarterfinal mm-hmm. uh, and beat them. And, and we're really looking forward to going to the final four. Um, we've been there one time before, but of course we had new players also who haven't been there. So people were extremely excited and, and believed that we should at least go to the final and, and take the next step. So it was, I mean, yeah, when we heard that, uh, I didn't actually believe that that uh, the COVID was going to cancel it uh, before, like, pretty close to the game, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a huge disappointment and, and something that's, you know, you just, you know, you're never going to get back in your life, but uh, at the same time, we also have to be extremely humble and, and respectful about the situation because people are, you know, losing their jobs and, and losing their lives to this to this uh, pandemic, so uh, you know, in the end of the day, we're just playing a, a sport and, and you know, that's, that's life, you know, there's there's bigger things than basketball and you know, you can be disappointed but at the same time you also have to have a, a view of what the what is going on around you around the world. Uh, you guys have had time to learn from your mistakes, uh, you know, also let's say gain some confidence from getting some wins back in, in Denmark. Um you know, the la- two of the last three games are are at home. What do you con- what do you, what does the what the Bakken Bears want to accomplish now in the three games remaining in the regular season? Also, knowing that you've played against all three of these teams already, and also um, have played well for at least you know decent portions of the of the game, um, and then obviously uh, uh, you know a little bit more of the focus on Cesare and sets on the next one. I mean, we want to win. I mean, we're 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 in this group to to win games uh, that haven't been achieved yet. So uh, we we've been disappointed about not you know, being able to win games in this group. Uh, and we know it was a tough group, but we also know that we're a good team ourselves. So we believe that we can win and, and we want to win games. Uh, we also uh, we also know that you know the way to or the road to winning games is is you know really by hard work and and dedication and focus. Uh, and uh, right now, the Corona times is uh, is is a lot more uh, from the staff and a lot more from uh, from you know from everybody uh, staying healthy and and uh, and going to test uh, yeah two or three times a week. So so all these things uh, you know lead up to a win. So uh, but yeah, these these last few games, I mean, I I definitely learned uh, throughout my uh, European campaigns that. Uh, but, you know, everything can happen in this group, and uh, it's not the first time that uh, a team has been 0-3 and, and could turn around and still go through. So, you know, the window, of course, is small, but we want to we wanna win games. Uh, it takes one game at a time, and, uh, and it's game to side, and, and hopefully we can, we can steal a win down there. All right, fantastic. Anima Darbo from Bakken Bears. Appreciate your time, and good luck uh, um, at least over the, re- the remainder of the uh, regular season. Thank you very much.
Okay. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, you've, you know, you've been uh, a part of, uh, of the BCL and uh, they were in the initial BCL season uh, and have fought, tried to fight through and get to the, um, to the regular season, uh, failed until this time around. Uh, and obviously the Danish national team with the two upsets, you know, what, what do you think about, um, what do you think about, about Danish hoops, uh, you know, with, with Buck and Bears kind of being the, uh, uh, the, the lead engine? Um, the, the, I've been following Danish basketball for some time now because I've been in charge of the pre-qualifiers. Uh, the official name is like FIBA Basketball World Cup 2019 European pre-qualifiers. So basically mm-hmm. they play that one and I kind of took um, notes on some of the guys like uh, Lundberg was the obvious superstar of the team, uh, Zokore under the basket and two guys that are basically their glue guys. It's Darko Jukic and Adama Darbo. And they have a good thing going on. Uh, these two wins, like, nobody expected it. Nobody. I mean, I did the grades after the window, and they were the only team that I gave an A+, because this is this was above excellent. It was just crazy. And we did a good story with um, one of their players, mm-hmm. Matthias Bach Christensen. Yeah was basically a retired player like two years ago and came out of retirement to play for fun got a chance with the national team and he torched Lithuania with 13 points like some impressive important buckets so a good thing is going on in Denmark yeah for sure uh you know five of those guys are in the Spanish second division also Knudsen is a 2003 talent with Saragossa we might see them uh we might see him come up uh, with this team, one, that's one of the one one of the disadvantages, let's say, of this format is the the fewer number of games, and every point being so critical, is you're not seeing as many of the youngsters get uh, as many chances as they have in the in the past. But Knutson is 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 definitely a good one um, uh, there in Saragossa. Yeah, and the thing is that even though they won two games, they're not any closer to the Eurobasket because they have Czech Republic in their group and they still have to finish above Belgium or Lithuania. Yeah, exactly. No yeah. Easy and they play both of them in the next window too. So, yes. All right, let's move to uh, next week's games. Uh, we have game day seven. Uh, Tuesday, we have Galatasaray against Tenerife in group A. Group B is Kiravnos uh, against Nimbruk. Uh, in Group C, we have the two games with Chalet going against Ike and Smoky Minsk host, hosting Halone. Um, maybe the one of the you know what are you looking at for most in this one? Um, kind of Galatasaray against Tenerife is uh, the game to watch on Tuesday and on Wednesday. It's going to be Dijon and Tofash uh, for me, but uh, I also have like. Two more games over the weekend to kind of switch my attention to because in Spain, Tenerife are playing host to Burgos. Mm. Tenerife are 11-1 and one in Spanish League, which is completely crazy. Like this, is, this is something unreal. And Burgos are obviously the champions over here, so it's going to be a BCL derby in the Spanish League. And we have the similar kind of stuff in French League because Cholet are playing Dijon. So it's going to be a busy couple of days for those four teams. And I'm looking forward to seeing those uh, local games in their own leagues because it's not all about Basketball Champions League. I, I have to follow the lo- local leagues too. 
Yeah, for the power rankings. Uh, the West, the rest of Wednesday's, Wednesday's bill is Saragossa against Falco, Lublin hosting uh, Nizhny Novgorod, and Sasari taking on Bucking Bears. For me, for me, I think the game of the of the of the of the week. Um, I, I've kind of given up on Galatasaray, or, or I, I guess more. I, I just expect Tenerife to to. to I've, I've been burnt enough by Tenerife, um, but but my game of the week, I think, is Smoky Minsk. Uh, you know, they have the ten point home win, uh, ten point road win against Halone. Um, and, uh, so if they can, if they can not lose by 10 points, uh, you know, then they have the advantage over Halone in, 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 in that group with Cholet now being, uh, 0-3, most likely you would imagine 0-4 after, uh, with the game against Ike. So for me, that's a huge game and, and that's probably the biggest one uh, in my eyes, uh, for, for either day. For sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that is the uh, end of the show. Um, if you uh, want to follow us, head out to Twitter or Instagram. The handle for both of those is BasketballCL. Please like us on Facebook. You, su- you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's the mobile app. If you want to send questions to us, uh, send them to info at championsleague.basketball. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any of the other Uh, avenues where you listen to the show uh the website is championsleague.basketball and of course all the games are live on basketball on livebasketball.tv um igor anything uh anything you're looking forward to the next week before we talk again um i'm gonna have the mvp race part one of this season uh next week so i'm still kind of trying to figure out who to put in front yeah, if you go back and listen to a couple of shows, uh, he's probably giving you some hints on who on some of the guys he might uh, put in there. So. <laughs> I'm not going to give any hints, but it starts with a huh and it ends with an Asiel Rivero. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice. Very nice. All right. Uh, for Igor, thanks a lot uh, for listening to the show, and we'll talk to you next week.